You're listening to TFM. Want to join in the conversation and share your thoughts on this episode? Join the Babel Conference, our listeners' discussion group on Facebook. Just type B-A-B-E-L into the Facebook search field, and we'll look forward to seeing you there. I'm here to talk to you about something where there is an adventure, and I am just one of your hosts, Matthew Rushing, and with me, as he is every single time, is the one and only, oh wait, are are you wearing, are you wearing different clothes today, John? You look a lot more rock and roll than I'm used to seeing. Yeah, I don't know. It looks like Jack Kirby designed my shirt today. Uh, that's all I, I can figure okay. is, you know, the, the way that the lines, the colors, it, it really seems very Jack Kirby today. Yes, it does. It does. Well, uh, we are here. We are talking about Thor, Love and Thunder. There's only a few things left in phase four. But before we dive in, just a reminder, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. Of course, you're listening now, and so just subscribe wherever that is, and you'll get all of the shows here in the 602 Club feed as soon as they come out. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter at the 602 Club. We're on Instagram at the 602 Club TFM. We'd love to interact with you over there. You can find the entire network on Facebook, facebook.com slash trek.fm. You can join the listeners-only discussion group called the Babel Conference, and you can find us over at trek.fm and see all of the podcasts we've got here. Plus, if you like what we do, you can also make sure that it does keep coming to you by going over to Patreon at patreon.com slash trek.fm and becoming part of our team. So, uh, John, I, I have to ask you this. You know, when, when we started this uh, process uh, so many moons ago and just in general with the MCU, did you think that of the original Avengers, the only one that would have a fourth film devoted to them and them alone would be Thor. No, I figured Captain America, this would have been Captain America's slot. I would have figured there would have been a lot of Captain America movies by this point. Uh, if you went back to the beginning, uh, I, I, I'm the aberrant one. I, I actually really dig the original Thor. Um, but I have had a, as everybody knows and is well documented by this point, uh, I haven't had very much love in my love-hate relationship with the Thor sequels so far. So, should be an interesting discussion. So, what you're saying is it's Thor love and hate for you. No, no, no. I Hate is too strong a word, Matt. But <laughs> uh, let's just say I'm not going to be... Uh, uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how this goes. Yeah, I mean, I it's funny because I was thinking about the the whole idea myself today. And... As I was watching the movie uh, this week uh, over again, I was just thinking, goodness, I there's no way I would have even had any thought in my brain that of all of the films, it would be in all of the characters that would be Thor uh, that would have a fourth film devoted to them, especially when you had the standouts like Iron Man and Captain America. Now, of course. You know, those characters got major plot lines in the, you know, Avengers films. Uh, and so it, it's not as though we really missed them. But yeah, I just it was definitely something I was surprised by. So, uh, John, I think this is your first time seeing this film. Uh, yes, actually, it is because I was no particular big fan of Thor Ragnarok. And therefore, I, 
especially as everybody knows, I'd sort of walked away from Marvel by this point. I was uh, not really in line to see Love and Thunder. I was like, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not one of those people. I actually just had a conversation with a friend of mine today where he just started complaining again about uh, it was a different franchise thing. But he just started complaining about it. And I said to him at one point, I said, why are you watching? Just stop. All you do is complain. Well, I put my money where my mouth was. And I said, you know what? I'm not just going to complain through this whole thing. I'm just going to stop. And so, no, I didn't see Thor 4. Yeah, it's interesting because, uh, you know, this is my second time to see the film. And I did see it when it came out. And the main reason is because you know, I do the 602 Club and, and we're, we're talking about those uh, types of films. And so it, it, it was more out of, you know, obligation for me. Um, than it was anything else. And so, which makes this rewatch really interesting coming into there because, of course, it's documented. Uh, Thor Ragnarok is one of my least favorite Marvel films. Uh, you know, as it was, it was sitting right next to The Eternals at the bottom of the list, literally, uh, that we've created. And so, I guess uh, the... This episode, I think, might be a little bit different. Um, and what I want to do is this. Um, normally, we would break this up into chapters and, you know, but I think for this one, John, we're just going to go with flow of consciousness for the rest of the episode. Um, I'm on board. And, uh, and, and part of that is because I don't know how much I have to say uh, about this film. Um, mm -hmm. Rewatching it, I was struck by... Um, uh, an abject hatred uh and uh, and so therefore uh, because this is your first time i'm actually just really much more interested in your opinion um and and what you thought of it coming into it because uh, let me put it this way this movie does is not devoid of ideas um, it's not devoid of i think of a villain who's actually worthy of uh, a good marvel film I think the rest of the film doesn't hold weight, though. It it doesn't even know what to do with the two good things that it has going for it, which is a great idea and a fantastic villain. And I feel like the rest of the movie just doesn't know what to do with any of that and, and can't live up to that potential. And so how do you feel about this movie? Well, I will give it this much. Totally, I found it more consistent than Thor Ragnarok in this sense. It embraced all of the stuff that everybody seemed to love from Thor Ragnarok. And at the same time, what makes it more consistent is it was released from any burden of actually advancing a larger narrative. Because with Thor Ragnarok, they still had to get Thor from point A to point B so that he could be there in time for what what it was being set up for. So in the context, Waititi was uh, was limited by uh, you know what he could do and what he had to show, and he had to do certain things. It leads to this totally uneven storytelling in Ragnarok. Completely works against it. Conversely, that doesn't necessarily make this a better or better told story. Because to your point about the ideas, this is ideas in a blender. There's no 
real sense of emotional accomplishment in the movie. There are attempts at it. Gore has a very interesting storyline that is there that could have been and seems like it should have been or was even attempting to tie into the whole idea of the rage against mortality that we feel. Gore dealing with the death of his people and his daughter and Jane Foster dealing with her own frailty and stage four cancer and everything. Like there, there's very much a big thing about mortality and what am I supposed to do and how do I deal with this grief? But I'm doing all of the lifting with that because Gore's entire, I, let me ask you this. Cause I, I don't want to just like blather on or anything, but like with Gore, I just felt like he's going along, going along, going along, being a villain, being a villain, being a villain. And then the last scene, they're like, oh, yeah, well, this was his arc all along. And it's like it's incredibly lazy storytelling to do it that way. There's no there's no dimension to him at all until basically an O. Henry ending with what he wishes for from eternity. Yeah. You know, I, I think the interesting thing about the the gore storyline and, and him as a villain is that um, I think he has such a great point. Um, and part of this is that I think his storyline is actually really meta because of the way in which normal people could feel about superheroes who don't make it in time to save them, or they feel like don't do anything to save them. Right. Um, and the stand-ins for the superheroes in this in this movie are these gods, these capricious gods who are basically uh, let's just be honest, they're not gods, they're just people with ridiculous amounts of power. Um and the, and, and so there's nothing godlike about them um as as we would call them and it, they just have kind of godlike powers um but they're not really gods. Uh and so um, and I think there's something so interesting in that uh, and his desire to be frustrated and angry because these capricious beings care nothing for them um, except for it seems to, uh, you know, be flights of fancy for these these beings, you know, um, and this either there to do their bidding or, you know, to, to make them feel better about themselves or, you know, whatever. Um, and so all of that, like you said, is just incredibly interesting and, you know, kind of fits with the whole thought process of, you know, them turning the Asgardians instead of being gods. They're just these, you know, very powerful beings from a different part of the galaxy, yada, yada, yada. All of that works. Um, and yet, like you said, by the end, for him to just kind of like make this choice where Thor has kind of, I guess, given him an example that love is better. You, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I've had the whole uh, idea and the, the whole theme of like love. But, um, you know, J.K. Rowling did it so much better in Harry Potter. Uh, and so here it just, like you said, it feels incredibly lazy because it really hasn't been 
as established as it needs to be for that to be the turning point for this character. Yes, this movie would have benefited a lot from simplifying things, remove the children subplot, even remove the Valkyrie subplot, and find a different way to go about the whole uh, form of the gods thing. Because the whole thing about them being like, oh, we're gods, we are gods, That's that actually violates sort of the spirit of the Thor lore up to this point of them just being aliens who happened to be worshipped exactly. as gods. Why is there a council of gods? That means that this is like an intergalactic conspiracy of people to abuse power. These people are even worse than they seem because they're aliens with bad intent who purposely are manipulating less powerful beings. Like if anything, that makes them demons. And it's like, it's so it's a, I get the intent behind it, but because of that obsession with just going for the gag that's what undercuts any intent up to and including the whole Zeus thing, which I take it back. I guess Zeus was introduced in this. This was probably a mandate so they could have the stinger with Hercules. And even that was just so underwhelming and it, it would have been so, I would have loved to see this storyline treated a little bit more seriously and a little bit trimmed down. And I think what you get with love and thunder is success of Ragnarok freedom from build to end game. You have somebody with all constraints removed from them. You wind up with something, honestly, that is like when South Park did a movie where the movie was the least funny thing I'd seen them do up to that point because all the restraints were gone. They weren't forced to be the least bit creative with how they approached things. And so it was just bludgeoning the audience. And there were even little things that I thought were just jokes that were just so overdone. The screaming goats. As soon as they came on, I probably it's, would have it's laughed. It's the worst. It's I the would, worst. I would have laughed the first time they came on, except for the fact that as soon as they walked on, I said, oh, no. Oh, oh no, I know where this is. Oh no. And it went exactly down that, that route where it was like, okay, every single, it's mm -hmm. yeah. the, the rule of comedy and drama three times. You don't tell a joke more than three times. You don't have a dramatic thing happen more than three times. And that's because after time number three, it's old. The audience right. is done with it. And I, you know, I'm your, I guess I'm your typical average audience with that. I mean, it's, you know, uh, it's what Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull taught us three times it drops. Yes, so, that's right. Um, Good pull. It, no, I, I agree with you because I also felt like the, the Korg gag about, you know, how his species has babies and everything was just overdone as well. Um, and, you know, I, I think that the, you really summed up one of my biggest problems with the film is that this undercuts everything that we've done with the character of Thor so far and the whole thought process of that these are not gods. They are just beings of incredible power from a different part of a galaxy that seem like gods to us because, you know, it's indistinguishable from magic. 
And yet that's not the case in, in much the same way that so many of our superheroes um, in the Marvel universe um, have these incredible powers, right? Uh, because of accidents or whatever, uh, or weird science. Uh, and so hmm. it just, it's, it's, it's very frustrating, um, I think, in that sense. And then, like you said, too, the gore storyline, I think, demands seriousness to tell it. Um, yeah. And because there is no seriousness in this movie, it's hard to take anything serious. Especially, you know, I mean, we have the Jane Foster story on top of that, you know, her dealing with cancer, her not being able to find the answer, uh, the fact that she, um, you know, obviously is still very much in love with Thor and he with her. And yet there's this unwillingness to want to reach out and, you know, find a way to close that loop there. Um, and, and all of the moments with them are just so frustrating because, you know, when he does come down to the say, like, he loves her and then he's trying to get her to stay in the hospital because he wants her to live and all of these things, like, it could be, I think, incredibly moving. And yet the movie up to that point has not allowed me to treat anything with any kind of seriousness. So when we get to this serious moment, like much of what happens in Ragnarok too, it's like, I don't, I, it's hard for me to just gear shift my brain into being like, Oh, this is a serious moment now when nothing has been serious. I think that what's unfortunate as well is that Christian Bale showed up to work. Yes, and, he did. And uh, you, you, when you get Christian Bale, of course, that's what's going to happen. He shows up to work. And unfortunately, he showed up to work in a different movie. Yes. And it was not this movie. And there are some things that are legitimately super cool. Like the shadow creatures are super neat. The way his eyes glow, the way he disappears. Yep. Those are actually really cool effects. Yes. And Bale's investment in the character works. And he's talking with Thor and and saying you're going to bring Stormbringer, like that scene is really rough. That is a tough, like, wow, he showed up. Why didn't anybody else take it seriously? And, you know, there's time wasted with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I hate to say wasted because they were one of the highlights of the movie because I always love Chris Pratt and I love Karen Gillan and I love... Groot and I love Rocket. Like I love the Guardians of the Galaxy. And so they're fun. But then I think in terms of well, that's also time that we kind of wasted. Mm -hmm. There's no why not just have Thor say, listen, guys, I think you know, I, I don't think I, I belong here. Just have a funny little thing, like they're just not right. getting along, and Thor be the mature one to say there's something on on in my mind, guys. I, I, you know, you're right. My heart's not in this. I gotta go, right? Instead of having this big, long, drawn out thing where he accidentally destroys and you get the screaming goats, like it's just so drawn it's, out. It's and just it's terrible. I mean, can we just admit that it's pretty terrible? I mean, it's not even funny. Everything yes. about it is not funny. Yes, 
I I can admit that it's all forgettable. I I don't get I don't fault Watiti for trying to make me laugh. A comedian, sometimes the jokes don't land. Okay, there's no ill will there. All right, I get it, man. You tried. I, I just didn't dig what you were doing. But, you know, y- your heart your heart was in the right place. I, I, no ill will. Okay, fair enough. But, man, yeah. It's just, it's just another one of those things where the gag just goes on too freaking long. It just well, stretches out. And I think one of the things that's frustrating is that this was one of the few times I feel like in phase four where a film had something that actually looked incredibly visually interesting. And that was the shadow realm and that whole mm-hmm. fight sequence that happens there. And the, the, um, the weird temptations that's hap- that are happening before that. I mean, all of that was incredibly cool, yeah. really well thought out, very interesting and again, visually, I thought looked fantastic. Uh, you know, they they did a very good job there. And again, I think the problem is is it's in a film that doesn't support it actually being there, right? Because nothing else in the movie has 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 led us to want to deal with anything this seriously anyway. And so, you know, it's just, and and I think the the flip side of that too is how. This movie has to spend 10 minutes in flashback sequences to tell us why we should care about Thor and Jane mm-hmm. and their relationship instead of that having been built into the MCU as we've moved forward. And they just, it's like, this is the problem in some ways of doing a massive multi-connected universe because characters and their own stories can get lost. You know, well, when you the, the, had Thor uh, Dark World end, you know, mm-hmm. um, and then you come into Ragnarok and like they're not together. It's just like this weird whiplash. And then you don't I mean, you you even haven't seen Jane Foster for well, any for so much of a length of time. And people might roll their eyes and say, oh, well, it's been done this way before, but there's a whole reason you would structure a movie as having – you would just show that time of their lives, open with that time of their lives, and then leap forward to Thor in the current day mm-hmm. thinking about it. And maybe that's why he he gets distracted and winds up destroying the temple with the Guardians of the Galaxy is because his mind is elsewhere instead of just treating it as perfunctory mm-hmm. – Right. Knowledge dump. And um, what's tough is at the end of it, I didn't, I wasn't angry about this movie, but as we're talking about it, like I'm liking it less and less the more I think about it. Like this is, it's, this is the reverse of how I like it to happen. Usually I like to come at something and I might have a negative opinion of it, but then I think about it, I work through it and I'm like, oh, you know, I'm still not mad about it. I'm not like angry at the movie. And again, Points for consistency in the fact that it's all equally underwhelming instead of sporadically so. I, I think um, it's interesting because you're you were talking about how as you discuss the film, you're less and less in love with it. Any part of it, you know, like um, any any goodwill you're having is, is is seeping away. And so this being the second time that I've seen this movie, 
it was one of those experiences where as we went forward with the film, I just begin to hate more and more and more every single thing that's happening because I know what's coming. And unfortunately, the movie isn't getting better with a rewatch. It's just getting worse. It's kind of like you were sitting in Chinese water torture and with water just dripping on your face. And it just keeps getting more and more and more irritating um, to the point of badness. And that's how I felt watching this film. Wow. Well, I maybe there's some sort of uh, emergency valve in my brain that's saying <laughs> you'll never watch this again because I can sense that. Because I remember rewatching Thor Ragnarok, my opinion of it the second time around was not very positive. And you know what the thing is? Probably I would have a similar sort of experience to you because I remember I was I felt like I was the only person on earth that walked out of Thor Ragnarok and my reaction was, eh. And everybody else seemed to love it at the time. Everybody I talked to, oh, it was so funny. This is so original. Blah, 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 blah. Our mutual circle of friends all reacted like that. And I think the two of us were the ones standing on the edge like, what? Did you see the same movie they yeah. did? Like, did I see a different yeah. cut or something like that? Like, what's going on here? Did I see um, the unfunny cut? Did they release yeah. that one just in my theater for did the night that they, I was there? Did they release the work print at my theater? <laughs> like, I'm not clear about this. Uh, although with the way some of the effects are, I think they did. Um and yeah, the, the, you know, just as another example of the jokes that go on too much and just, I don't know why they're doing them. The whole talking to Stormbringer and Mjolnir. Oh, it was... it's idiotic. I'll go ahead and say it. It's just yeah. stupid. Well, I mean, you're creating this sense like they're in some sort of like intimate relationship in a way that's just kind of creepy anyway. And so no, but like they're I just, a dog uh, or something. Like I yeah. talked to my dog, but I understand that my dog can't understand me. But, but my dog and I, we understand each other in big emotional bursts. Like she understands, you know, mm-hmm. he's angry. He's happy. He's cuddly. He's, you know, all of these different things. You're going to give that to an inanimate object? That's like when I was a kid. It's not as inanimate as we thought it was, though. That's I know, but like that's dumb. It's just dumb. Uh, And you're you're sitting there, and it's like it's like a kid talking to their stuffed animal, and Mm -hmm. you know, like it's not Toy Story, guys. And additionally, and this is where you really have to work overtime. Okay, let's be clear. This is where you really have to work overtime. The portal to the embodiment of eternity can only be opened by the Bifrost generated from Stormbringer that, in all of eternity, did not exist until two or three movies ago. Stormbringer did not come into existence until Endgame. Right. And why couldn't Millionaire do that, too? Well, Mjolnir couldn't summon the Bifrost. Well, Yolder could summon, That's but couldn't. Our, but Stormbringer generates its own Bifrost? I, apparently? I don't get it. Because the movie needed it to? I, I mean, and the thing is, I can sit there, and what's, what's terrible is after a lifetime of being a uh, Star Trek fan of various devotion, you know, and level, 
and intensity, I can sit there and work my brain up to a point to be like, well, time is a flat circle. And of course, eternity foresaw the way that things would have to blah, blah, blah. And so the blah, Stormbringer, Ragnarok, blah, 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 blah. When in actuality, it was just, what can we do to have Stormbringer have a part of the story? And it's, okay, sure. You couldn't say something like that generates power and then, or can tap into an Einstein-Rosen bridge. So you open it up where it's like a whole bunch of different things. It's not just the Bifrost, but, oh, I'm a super scientist, Dr. Jane Foster. It's an enormous power of energy, just like summoning a Bifrost. You know, like that sort right. of thing. Yeah. And on top of that, why can anybody wield Stormbringer? I thought Stormbringer was still a thing for uh, him. Exactly. I thought the same thing. I, I didn't understand why Gore could pick up Stormbringer. But I think that they I, – I, I think if I really work at it, that ties into Stormbringer being mad at Thor? Maybe? I sure like working this hard to try to find an yeah. excuse for a plot point. It's always uh, healthy. Um, yeah. I, but the thing is, I know that er, I, there, we have lost at least three quarters of the audience listening right now. I promise you. So if anything, we're free to just keep going down this road, which I think is great. Because honestly, if people, if people have unplugged by this point, they're just rage listening at this point. <laughs> but I don't know what else I could say to piss somebody off, right? Like, well, yeah. what else is left? Well, and and, and this is the problem uh, with this, and and I just don't, I really don't have anything to say uh, because I I don't think like other than the the points that I mentioned about the villain being interesting, the the theme with the villain being interesting, and the point in the shadow realm being interesting that's it like everything else about this movie i think is to me it just is it uh, a variety of levels of failure and i i i find it to be incredibly tedious to even have to be sitting here thinking about it anymore that's just where i am i'm like eh, i don't have anything else to say well, gosh, then let's let's just wrap it up. Yeah. Why put ourselves I, through I, this? I think it's a, it'll just be our shortest episode of this show yeah. so far ever, although, which is although fine. I'll throw in one more thing um, as a note for uh, Mr. Taika Waititi, who I want to be on record. There are a lot of things that he has done as a writer and director that I freaking love, that I think there are so many projects like Flight of the Concords, Hunt for the Wilder People, What We Do in the Shadows. I... When I love what he does, I love what he does. I just happen not to love this. And I get it. You're a Guns N' Roses fan. We all were, Mr. Watiti. It's okay to let that go. It's called midlife. We get past it. Yeah. Anyway. Exactly. Well, uh, so this was your first time. And mm. uh, you'll never forget your first time. Uh, <sighs> what would you rate Thor Love and Thunder? I'll give it a one because Christian Bale showed up. That's it. It's yep. a one out of five. Yep. It's a hundred percent one out of five. Like, uh, I, you know, it's funny because when I went back to, uh, my ratings on letterbox, I'd given this a two 
and I couldn't mm. believe it. Uh, so I, uh, yeah, this is, this is absolutely a one star film. Uh, and so therefore with that rating, John, where are you going to end up with your rankings now Ooh. of the MCU? All right, let's try to get the the front part out of the way real quick here. Loosening up. All right. And I forgot to write down where uh, Miss Marvel was, but I think it shifted a little bit in, in retrospect. So I'm going to go ahead and leave it. I'm, where I put it here is probably good where it's going to be perfect. Or per, not perfect? going to be where it sits. Anyway. Okay. So Captain America, Winter Soldier, Iron Man 3, Spider-Man No Way Home, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, Iron Man, Endgame, Black Panther, Guardians of the Galaxy, Hawkeye, Doctor Strange, Miss Marvel, Loki, Civil War, Captain America the First Avenger, Ant-Man and the Wasp, The Incredible Hulk, Infinity War, Thor, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, Shang-Chi, Spider-Man Homecoming, Avengers, Howard the Duck, Moon Knight, WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Spider-Man Far From Home, Thor the Dark World, Iron Man 2, Thor Ragnarok, Avengers Age of Ultron, Thor Love and Thunder, Black Widow, Captain Marvel Eternals. And scene. So for me, we're going to go with The Winter Soldier, Iron Man, Iron Man 3, Spider-Man, No Way Home, Avengers Endgame, Civil War, The First Avenger, Black Panther, Guardians 2, Ant-Man, Hawkeye, What If, Doctor Strange, Shang-Chi, The Incredible Hulk, Guardians of the Galaxy, Multiverse of Madness, Homecoming, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Loki, Avengers, Miss Marvel, Far From Home, Avengers Infinity War, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Thor the Dark World, Iron Man 2, Thor, Howard the Duck, Moon Knight, Black Widow, Age of Ultron, Captain Marvel, WandaVision, Thor Ragnarok, Thor Love and Thunder, and of course, Eternals. Yes, who had one of their brethren... In the hall, the almost the statue that almost fell on the kids was a reference to, um, yes, yes, it was the Celestials, yeah, yeah. So wasted uh, reference, which I I couldn't believe that this film. I didn't know if anything would ever reach below Thor Ragnarok for me, but Thor: Love and Thunder did. And if I ever have to see those two movies again, I think I might rather just like do anything else. (laughs) Well. We'll leave it open at that. <laughs> <laughs> but John, if people wanted to catch up with you, uh, see what else you have uh, going on these days, where would they find you? I'm Kessel Junkie Online, and you can also find me over on the Nerd Party Network, co-hosting two shows. One is called House Lights that I co-host with Tristan Riddell and Darren Moser, and another one called Aggressive Negotiations, a Star Wars podcast that I co-host with you, Matthew Rushing. And, of course, you could find me all over social media under the name MattRushing02. Uh, of course, I'm here on the network as well, outside of the 602 Club, doing a lot of different shows. Literary Treks, The Orb, Warp 5, Saddle Up, and The Artificial Tango. And when you're not listening to aggressive negotiations on the Nerd Party, you can find me on Owl Post with Drea Kaufman, as we talked about every single chapter of the Harry Potter series, one chapter at a time. But, thank you so much for joining us. Avengers? <laughs>